0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Now, look with me tonight in James chapter 1, and I want to begin reading with verse 17, and it will take us down through verse number 19. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We spent a little bit of time last week talking about that. In verse number 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, have have you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody that uh, in in the process of that, they, they were almost trying to finish your sentence for you? You were in the middle of explaining something or sharing a story of some sort, and then right when you were about ready to bring that to a pause, the person that you were talking to was actually trying to finish your sentence. Sometimes if we're not careful, we want to speak over God or we want to get ahead of him. And certainly we will miss incredible opportunities to hear the full spectrum of what God is wanting to say to us, what he's trying to say to us. And so that reminded me when I read this passage of scripture, slow to speak, sometimes we're just too busy yapping that we cannot get uh The full benefit of hearing from God. And so the word is teaching us, uh, let us be swift to hear, more eagerly willing to hear, slow to speak. But then let's pick up tonight with the latter part of verse number 19. And it says, slow to wrath. I want you to think about this. James is not only saying now how important it is to be slow to speak, but also he says, be slow to wrath. And he gives us the reason for this in verse number 20. I want you to look very closely at this. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Maybe you know somebody like this who just constantly walks around as if they were nothing short or shy of being a ticking time bomb. Let me tell you, throughout my ministry, 40 years of preaching the word of God, and pastoring a church and working with people on a day-to-day basis. I cannot tell you how many people that I have personally come in contact with down through the years that that's the manner and customs of how they live. They are just naturally well built into this forte of just being a ticking time bomb. They are going to be attitude and mad and unhappy about everything. Do you know somebody like that? Well, let me tell you, we have to be very careful because we're calling ourselves Christians. We're calling ourselves a believer in Christ. And we have to remember something about that. If we're going to proclaim that we are in Christ, if we're going to proclaim that we are a believer, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm one of them, then we cannot forget the magnitude of responsibility that we have on our character we have to behave ourselves wisely and at the very least what the world considers to be a christian now we know what their definition and what their terminology is certainly doesn't come up to part of the word of god but we do know what our behavior ought to be like and what will bring honor to the lord and what will not Let me explain something to you here. When you read this passage, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That's important because when our anger is released without godly assortment, I want you to think with me, without godly assortment, then it's very easy for our tempers to fly. When our tempers fly, when our tempers are out of control, And people do not have to struggle to sense that. When our tempers are out of control and our attitude is dominating our personality, our conduct, our behavior, it's very clear that we are not being led by the Spirit. Now, we can say that uh, we're, we're trying to model super spirituality, but that's not of God. You know it and I know it. And so there has to be a level of discipline in all of our lives. We have to restrain ourselves. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit to restrain us. It all works together. But you cannot have a proper representation of the Lord Jesus Christ and just walk around life with an attitude when the Lord Jesus comes in, when the Holy Spirit indwells you and fills you, it's radically life-changing. And we have to demonstrate, we have to manifest what this radical change has done for us on the inside. God can never get the glory with uncontrollable anger. He can never get the glory. I mean, Think about this just for a minute, if you walk around all the time with with a hard, downcast, rugged, antagonistic type of a spirit, you're just mad, and you want people to know you're mad. Let me ask you something: How can one ounce of that bring an ounce of glory to Christ because you're a walking billboard for something? you're a walking billboard for someone. And if you're saying, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a born again believer, then you ought to be a walking billboard that testifies, that flashes like a neon light. I've been changed. I'm not what I was. I am happy because Jesus Christ, because I have him as my personal savior and he is my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And so God can never get the glory when our tempers are raging to the surface of our countenance. And I want you to see something in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to study a lot of passages of scripture tonight. And so I want you to see this in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 26. And if you're writing notes, you may just want to write this reference down, hear the verse, and then go back and reread it as you re-engage yourself with the notes of the Bible study this evening. But in Ephesians chapter four, verse number 26, the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. And I know somebody's gonna be out there tonight that says, well, preacher, you're just uh, contradicting yourself because you said uh, in one sentence that we ought not to be angry, but yet the word of God tells us to be angry. Well, we have to put it in context. And I want you to see this first. Be ye angry and sin not. So, there is an element of righteous anger. It is possible for you to be angry with a reason that would help you to enhance your walk with God or to establish yourself as. Someone that's not going along with the world or the conduct of the world or the behavior of the world. You see, when we're saved and we've been changed, we ought to be different. The Bible teaches us to come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. So we we cannot allow our frustrations and our disappointments and the offenses that come our way turn in such a way that it makes us hostile to Everyone and everything around us, that's not of God. And we have to be careful because if we're not and we do not bring our bodies under subjection and we do not allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in our life, then we're going to be controlled and manipulated by the forces of Satan, by the forces of evil, by the power of the devil. God is not going to move upon us to walk around with hatred and with attitude and with with this manifestation of unrighteous anger. Now, what what are you talking about, preacher, uh, with this, this thing? Because the word says here in verse 20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So here's what I want us to think about as we study the word tonight, that uncontrolled anger brings a reproach to your personal testimony. And so let me ask you, is that important? Is it important to you that other people see Jesus in you. That should be probably one of the biggest things that we focus upon each and every day of our life. Lord Jesus, help me to be a walking billboard for you. Help me to represent you well today. Help somebody to be able to see you in me today with my words, with my actions. Lord, where I go, just let people see you in me. Let me be a reflection of you. Now, if that's never crossed your mind in a long time, or if that's something that you don't give a lot of thought to, then friend, you should. Because as a Christian, as a believer, that's what we're doing. We're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And think about this. There are many people, hundreds of people, many people each and every day that you come in contact with or that you cross paths with in some way or another. And... You may be the only Jesus that they will ever see. You may be the very reason why somebody turns to Christ, or you may be the very reason why somebody turns away from Christ. So uncontrollable anger, number one, will affect your personal testimony. Don't ever be guilty of being the reason, the instrument of why somebody says no to Jesus. But more importantly, uncontrollable anger not only hinders your testimony, but it will ultimately bring a reproach to the name of Christ. And as believers, we have to do everything we possibly can to enhance our faith in such a way that it causes people to turn to the Lord and certainly not... To turn away from him, I want to give you two passages here. In First Timothy chapter three, I want you to see something in verse number seven. And if you're writing these references down, I'm going to go ahead and give you the second one. We're going to go right to it after First Timothy. The second reference is First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-seven. So let me give you these two again: First Timothy chapter three, seven, and 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verse number twenty-seven the first one in 1 Timothy 3, 7. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So here's the thing. If we're not guarding our behavior, our testimony, our conduct, there is a high probability according to this verse of scripture, that we're going to create a path for someone else to fall. I had someone to tell me a long time ago, they said something like this. I've decided not to be a Christian because if Christianity is anything like this person that I'm having this conflict with, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. Maybe you've heard that before, you've experienced something like that before, but it's true. Why would anybody want to sign up? Why would anybody want to become a believer? If if other Christians were walking around with, with the countenance of just being attitude and arrogant and mad and frustrated and people can't see, why would anybody... Look to that and say, you know, I want to be one of them. But ultimately here, the word says in 1 Timothy 3, 7, that if we fall into that trap or that snare, that very easily we could find ourselves in a reproach. And then notice the latter part of verse 7 here in 1 Timothy. And the snare of the devil. And certainly we understand that. Now, First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-seven, Paul said this: "But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection." We've got to do that every day, because in James chapter one, twenty, "For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God." And in order to uh, curtail or to to soften uh, the effects of a of a temper gone wild, so to speak. Listen carefully, we have to bring our bodies under subjection every day. We have to, the song says, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. We've got to do that on a daily basis. It's called sanctification. You're justified by faith one time. You're saved by grace one time. But sanctification is a daily cleansing. It's a daily setting apart. And we have to do this with our attitude. We have to do this with our conduct and our behavior because it all, number one, reflects on what we say or who we say we are. And then secondly, on the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says it's very important that we bring our bodies under subjection. Notice the consequence. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So it's one thing to say, yes, I love Jesus and Jesus loves me. And it's another thing to walk around with uncontrollable anger and an attitude and a sour countenance. Paul said, I've got to bring my body under subjection every every single day. Now this, of course, let me separate the two because there is what we could call tonight unrighteous anger and righteous anger. And I want to show you the the difference. I want to show you what righteous anger is all about from illustrations or examples of the Lord Jesus himself. And so if you would, mark your place in James. We may have time to return to chapter 1 in just a few moments. But I want you to see something in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 1 and verse number 5. 1 through 5. Mark chapter 1, and I want to... or Excuse me. Let me go back and say Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And I want to show you by the example of Jesus what righteous anger is all about. Again, Mark chapter 3. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now... This is a very familiar story, well, it should be anyway to to you. And uh, Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and his enemies were wanting to find anything they possibly could to create a controversy with him. They knew Jesus was a healer, and they noticed that there was a man in the service who had a withered hand. And they began to look at one another because Jesus had the testimony of being a healer. And uh, it was the Sabbath. So they were looking for ways to plot against him. And uh, and so let me read this for you. In Mark chapter 3, let's read verses 1 through 5. And he, Jesus, entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him. You see, when Jesus walked in the synagogue, they knew this guy was sitting over there. He he had a withered hand. Jesus walks in the synagogue. They knew he was a healer. And so when Jesus walks in, they begin to nudge one another. It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. What's he going to do now? It's the Sabbath. Look at this dude over here. He's got this withered hand. Jesus is here, and it's the Sabbath. We're going to set him up now. What's he going to do? All right, look at this. And they watched him, verse 2, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him. Now, when all of this plotting was going on, you have to remember something, that Jesus is omniscient. You you need to know the meaning of those incredible words, those attributes of God. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. And when we say, when you hear this word omniscient, you need to know the meaning of that word, and that is, He's all knowing. There is absolutely nothing He doesn't know. He knows everything about you yesterday, today, and tomorrow, He knows everything. So, when Jesus walks into the synagogue, he knew it was the Sabbath. He knew these guys were being there. He knew when he walked in, there would be a guy there with a withered hand. And he also knew that when he walked in, these people were going to immediately begin to scrutinize him, plot against him. And so, notice this. And he said unto the man, You, you notice that when he walked in, he did not address this crowd. So Jesus walks in, and he saith unto him, which had the withered hand, stand forth. Now notice this. And he said unto them. So you have to get the idea here. Jesus walks in. It's the Sabbath day. These guys are plotting already against him. Jesus walks into the synagogue, and he tells the man, he says, stand up. Now Jesus is about ready to work. He's he's not interested in their rules. He's not interested in the eyes that are being cross-examining with one another. He's not really disturbed about all of those issues. In fact, quite the contrary. And so when he says to the man, stand up, notice verse number four, and he saith unto them, now he's going to address them. Is it lawful? I, I would have loved to have been there. Picture the scene now, the majesty of Jesus, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's walking into the synagogue. He's about to share a word. He's about to glorify God. He's about to do something. Every time he showed up, he did something great. He walks into the building and I can just see him now. You know, maybe he's stand up. So this guy stands up and Jesus then begins to address them. It is lawful to do good or is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil to save life or to kill? <laughs> it's sort of like when those guys threw that woman to the ground whom they said they caught in the act of adultery. Boy, they had their stones. They were ready. They were ready to rock her dead. And Jesus The word says, you remember, he did two things. He drew in the sand. Now, we don't know what he wrote. But, and I've heard it said so well through the years, maybe with his finger, he wrote the names of every man that had been with that woman. He said, now you without sin, throw the first stone. You see, even when the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness temptations, he responded with the word. It is written. So every time Jesus had a response, it was not with unrighteous anger. Whether it was the woman those guys had thrown to the ground, Jesus did not even lose his temper with the devil in the wilderness. He just responded with a word. Now, Jesus has this man standing up, and he says to them, he asks, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life, or to kill? And so the word says that with with that type of question, these guys... They had no idea what to say. They didn't know what to do. The word says they held their peace. Now here's the key verse in verse number five. And when he had looked round about on them with anger. Are you with me? We're talking about the difference between unrighteous anger and righteous anger. So the word says here that he looked round about. This really perturbed the Lord. This is where righteous anger comes into view. Now notice, there's a comma behind the word anger. Being grieved, Jesus was grieved. Notice this. For the hardness of their hearts. He saith unto the man, stretch forth your hand. So think about it. Jesus is walking in. He walks right up to the man. He knows he's got a withered hand. And while he's walking up to this man, because he's omniscient, he knows the atmosphere in the room. And so he stands. This man now standing before the Lord Jesus and Jesus says, okay, now let me ask you this question. Is it okay to do good on the Sabbath day or is it okay to do evil? Is it okay to save a life or to kill? There was nothing but silence in the room. And while this man is still standing, none of these guys had a word to say. Jesus just turned to him and said, stretch forth your hand in the latter part of verse five, and he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the others. Now, I want you to see this. That, that infuriated Jesus. Now, Jesus did not have unrighteous anger, you know, because he's, he was the son of God. He was God in the flesh. If he wanted to respond with unrighteous anger, first of all, that would have disqualified him for the person of which he was proclaiming to be. But because he had all things under his feet, because he was, he was the Lord God of everything. He could have said, okay, you right there just gave me that dirty look. I'm going to give you leprosy. Leprosy. He could have said, okay, man, listen, I saw those eyes coming at me, and I don't appreciate that. I'm going to make you blind. Okay. You back there, I saw what you said to him. I saw what you did. You know what? Hey, why don't you just be crippled for the next 50 years of your life? You see, if Jesus had responded like that, he would have been responding with, with unrighteous anger. That would have disqualified him for who and what he said he, he is and what he was all about. So he responded with righteous anger. The Bible says that it grieved his heart. He didn't lash out at them. He didn't say unkind things to them. He he did not say something that he regretted in the evening to these people. He just asked them a simple question. Is it okay? Is it right or wrong to heal on Sabbath? Is it better to heal or to kill? These people, when Jesus healed this man, they went completely nuts over what he did. I mean, the place went into hysterics. And immediately, when Jesus said, stretch forth your hand, and he healed this guy, the Bible says that they began immediately to plot against him. They began to plot his death. You read on in the next few verses. There was, a, there was another instance in the scripture where Jesus exhibited, demonstrated righteous anger. Most of you will probably w- better familiar with this particular story that I'm going to share with you than than this happening in the gospel of mark but jesus went into the temple and in the temple the people that were in charge of the animal sacrifices that the common people had to purchase in order to sacrifice the people inside of the temple area they were price gouging these animals for sacrifices and it was causing the even the poorest of poor people who were required they had to offer sacrifices, and some of them didn't have much money even to begin with it, it's sort of like what's been going on in the pandemic um, people taking advantage of people's disadvantages so to speak and the misfortunes and the 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 unfortunate circumstance, I can remember years ago when Hurricane Andrew swept through uh, South Dade County in Florida. We took a group of men from our church and a, a truck loaded down uh, from front to the rear, uh, not a pickup truck. This was a, a a huge truck, like a a furniture truck or, or something of that, a huge truck. And we drove it all the way to South Dade County in Florida. And I can remember that there were convoys of people that were doing the same thing. And and many of those people were broke down on the side of the road. And there were people taking advantage, number one, of those poor souls who were devastated with the hurricane. But also with the disadvantage of having a vehicle broke down, It was it was terribly hot. And people were selling gallons of water for $6 a gallon. You can go in a store around here somewhere and you get maybe one for 89 cents. But there were people who were price gouging and they were selling the water for astronomical f- figures, so to speak, fees. And, and, and that's how it was when Jesus was going into the temple. He went into the temple and there were people that were price gouging the animals that were to be used for the sacrifices. And so what happened was when Jesus walked in there and he saw what these people were doing. So, for example, if 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 this guy was going to offer a goat and this goat was on an average of three dollars and this this guy was sitting in the temple, he was selling a goat for 15 and this guy was selling two turtle doves. Maybe it was an average cost of maybe uh, four shekels, so to speak. And so Jesus walks into the temple and he sees this guy. He's in there selling uh, all of this for maybe twenty shekels. And so it infuriated the Lord, and it was not an unrighteous anger but it was a holy anger and he began to turn the tables over in the temple and he said why have you made my father's house a place of merchandise because see what these people were doing they weren't just using the money collected for the ministry for the temple but they were using they were putting it in their own pockets and Jesus was furious with that so there's a difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger and so James let's go back to James chapter 1 James is not talking about indignant anger or unrighteous anger. Jesus never one time in the cases, which there were few, in the cases which he was angry, Jesus, here's the important thing, and I want to say this so that it will be applicable to you and I tonight. Jesus never one time lost his temper. And that's something that you and I have to, focus on. He did not let people see his displeasures in such a way that it would turn people away from him. His mission for being here, everything he said and did was to draw people to him, not repel them against him. And so James is warning us against a bad temper. You listen to Pastor Tony Kahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.